Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 425 Show, your place to be for all things real estate and lifestyle related here on the East Side. I'm your host, Nicole Mangina with Windermere Real Estate. Thank you for joining us. It is, we are officially 10 days out from Christmas Day. I don't know how many shopping days that is or shipping days or anything like that, but- I have heard you must ship by today uh, in order for the timing and then letters, I bet, or, you know, cards, I think Friday. Oh, thank you, Benny. Yeah. Um, our trusty producer. Never hurts that. to get it out though. Just everything now. <laughs> that, I know even right? all my shipping, I'm doing the expedited shipping on <clears throat> just in case. Oh, good um, call. So anyway, we were talking about it before the show. It's, it's been a different December. It's a little quieter. It's not as busy with all the running around and holiday parties and things like that. And uh, I'm enjoying the slower pace. I'll be super darn notifications. There was your ding, yeah. <laughs> that was perfect timing, <laughs> actually. Perfect type thing, though. <laughs> Brilliant idea. <laughs> so I'll be ready for the running around next year, but I'm enjoying the slower pace this year. So we always start the show with a real estate update. I have the latest stats for you. And in keeping with 2020 being, you know, a year like none other, so has the real estate market. <laughs> Usually we have the seasonal slowdown and, you know, kind of the fourth quarter, everything starts to quiet down. And as we go into the holidays, not so this year. I was actually in multiple offers yesterday in December. Who would have thought? Uh, the stats came out. We have 30% less homes on the market this year than we did this time last year. And prices are up 18%. Wow. I know it's nuts. Uh, so, and I think there's a lot that goes into that, right? People are around, they're not traveling. Interest rates are good. We're also starting to reevaluate how we use and value our spaces because, you know, now we're working, schooling from home, doing lots of things in our homes that maybe we didn't do before. Um, so it's interesting. So if you've got real estate on the brain, A, you're thinking about selling or B, buying, I invite you to reach out. I am happy to answer your questions and help you come up with a game plan. You can always find me via email, Nicole at NicoleMangina.com. There you go. Without further ado, I'm super excited for today's guest, uh, my friend and local author, Gina Cohen is joining us today. The author of Worried Willie thinks he'll look silly. Hi, Nicole. I love that title. You got it. You did it. <laughs> it's kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> I know it kind of is. Kind of is. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to see you. And wow, my first ever podcast right from my kitchen. I know. Fancy. I love yeah. it. You got to love technology. Yeah. I know. File under things learned this year, right? <laughs> well, you were pretty tech savvy before, but <laughs> a little tech savvy. Yeah. Still, I'm, yeah, I still get the occasional glitch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, anyway, I don't know how to turn this off. I thought I had everything. Sorry about that. Brilliant. Jeez. Another idea. I know. <laughs> lots of ideas. You're so popular. Lots of ideas. You're so popular. All right. Thank you for bearing with me on that one. Um, but yes, you are a local author and you've been, you've been doing this for years. And, you know, it is your first book that you've published, but you've You've had lots of different things published over the years in various formats. And you wrote this book that I'm excited to share with everybody because I think it's it's an adorable book and such such a timely message. Yeah. So, so 
I'll, I'll just share about the book a little bit. So like you said, it's called Worried Willie Thinks He'll Look Silly. And the whole premise of the book is about this adorable little wombat who is filled with anxiety. And he is starting to learn from home this year. So he's doing the remote learning, just like mm -hmm. so many of our kids are. I'm a mom, my son is 14. He's upstairs in this room right now, uh, his first year of high school from his bedroom. So uh, well-versed in the remote learning over here in the Cohen household. And Willie the Wombat is just super nervous. He's not so sure about this whole webcam thing. He is very, very nervous about it. He's worried that the kids might think his room looks funny or Maybe his nose is going to start running and he's going to have to blow his nose on camera or he's going to look weird. And so he's just filled with anxiety about it. And, um, you know, his teachers encouraging him to turn on the camera and all his classmates are starting to turn theirs on. And what will he do? So that's the story of Willie. And it's super cute. It's really short. It's adorably illustrated. I didn't illustrate it, so not patting myself on the back there. Um, I'll talk a little bit about how I found, found my illustrator in a bit, but um, it's really adorable. It's up on Amazon. It's an ebook for right now. So um, kids can read it on their tablets or parents can read it to their kids from their tablets or their phones. Teachers can look at it on their tablets or on their screen. Um, it will eventually be a paperback book. I'm going to turn it into a paperback too, but that process takes a little bit more time. So right now it's an ebook and you can get it for I think $3.99 on Amazon, or if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free. I love it. And I, I think it's so great that you turn this into a story. I love that you used, you know, little critters to be your characters. Uh, but it's it's true. And it's something I didn't even really think about until you were telling me about the book. This whole camera anxiety, right? Yes, it's, um, it's a real thing. I mean, not just for little kids, too. I mean, it spans everybody. Me, too. I'm an adult and I'm working from home. And, you know, I am on WebEx calls all day long. And I don't always want to be on camera. Like, I'm happy to be on camera with you right now. But, you know, for an all day thing, you're on, you're on your camera. You've got to, like, stare at yourself all day. And you're trying to, like, look at this Brady bunch of your colleagues and focus on the right thing, but you're not. And I just feel like it takes a lot of our brain to try to, you know, deal with the whole Zoom thing. And there's a whole like Zoom fatigue that's happening. People are documenting it, writing about it. It's exhausting and hard, even for adults. And so when you think about kids, you know, I was hearing stories from my, my friends who are talking about their kids and their struggles with online learning. And this is just one. I mean, there's so many things that are challenging about it, but I really started thinking about teachers. Um, I have multiple friends who are teachers and they have been writing on Facebook and sharing with me that um, it's, it's hard to teach a class when you can't connect with your students. And yeah. the face-to-face -face connection is so important and it, you know, it's hard. So, I thought when I've been thinking about writing a kids book for some time and I just didn't quite have the topic. I didn't know what I wanted to write about. And I just kept figuring inspiration will strike me at some point. And inspiration struck when I was scrolling through TikTok one night of all places as one does. And I was scrolling through and I had this video popped up and it's this high school student and she's showing her Zoom screen of her class and her teacher's trying to teach the lesson and it's just a of black squares and the teacher nobody has their camera on and the teacher's just sort of droning on and sort of uninspired and he just looks sad <laughs> and the student turns on her camera and the teacher's face just lights up just 
oh, thank you. You know, thank you. And, and it was just such a moment. And I thought, wow, like, it's a big deal for teachers. And they're trying so hard. They're working so hard in this pandemic. And turning on your camera, even if you don't do it every day, or even for your full class, but even just for a portion of your day, just to give your teacher a face-to-face -face moment is really so helpful. So I thought maybe if I turn this into a book for kids and make it cute and make it rhymy and make it fun, it would be just one more way to help encourage kids to turn on their camera. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, and I never thought about, you know, as a kid or, you know, anybody, you can like go leave your house and feel like you can make yourself into who you want or need to be for that day, right? Yes. But when you're at home, like like you said, people get to see your room and, you know, it's it's kids. It's everybody's like that, right? Who has a cooler room now? Now you're into all these other aspects of you're kind of opening up the world unless you're like me and you figure out how to download a different background so nobody can see <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, people are very happy for the virtual background. I've done that too. Yeah, and even, you know, like not even just, oh, well, the kids think my room looks cool, but in the case of my son, like his room is a mess 24 seven. So yeah, he doesn't want people seeing that. So he figured out the virtual background too, so that he can be on <laughs> It's better for lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and it's gotta be, you know, as you were talking, I was equating it to, they always talk about, and I know it's the same for myself. A, I was a kid as a kid growing up, but even if like, if I go to a conference or as an adult, if I go to a class, they always talk about the people in the front of the room always get more out of it. And I know I do, right? There is something about the further back I sit, the less I pay attention, right? Yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, definitely. But the same for kids. So the turning on your camera is almost like sitting in the front of the room, I'm sure it, or, you know, the current equivalent of it or the closest you can get, because it's just that extra level of accountability and interaction that and yeah, I'm sure it's got to be hard for these teachers when you're just talking to a black void. Yes. Yeah, there's a whole, uh -huh. I was reading an article on slate.com just the other day, and it was like a bunch of teachers sort of sharing their opinions. And, you know, some are very staunchly saying, you know, we, I'm not going to force my, my kids to turn on their cameras. Um, and others are saying it's just so critically important to their sort of like emotional well-being even to be able to connect not only with their teacher but with their fellow classmates too it's just hard to do that when you can't see faces you know so. well i think a big part of life is feeling like you're you're seen as a person like literally seen right people see you they get you and if you're in your i don't know about your teenagers but mine are in their room all day long 24 7 yeah. <laughs> Or during and after school. He comes down to eat and that's it. Yeah, exactly. I might get him on snack time. Um, but they need people to see them. <laughs> they do. We all do. We all do. Even, you know, those days when I haven't done my makeup, I am wearing pajamas, my hair is in a hideous bun, and I don't want to have my camera on. I don't want my colleagues to see me, but I'll turn my camera on anyway, just because, for, well, for the most part, but <laughs> sometimes, I, sometimes I spare them. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's as, as hard as it can be, it is important because especially now, you know, I'm a single person and mm -hmm. so forming connections with other people is really hard in this pandemic because you can't just go out and meet people. You can't go into the office and, you know, just chat with your friends. And so I have to force myself to make these more human connections wherever I can. Yeah, I think that's great. 
Um, and you, like you said, you've been a writer your whole life since like grade school. Um, <laughs> because you're, and you're great at it. I've read lots of things that you've written and you, ha you have a gift for sure oh, with the way you, you tell a story. Thank you so much. That's so kind. Yeah, I've been writing since I was a kid. Um, I was trying to remember when I was thinking about this podcast, like what was the first thing I ever wrote? <laughs> the memory that comes to mind is when I was probably in like third grade and we had to write a short story or something. And I only remember one line from my short story. And it was this, I went down to eat breakfast. I had cereal. It was cold. It was also old, I think. <laughs> and I don't know why I wrote it was old, I think. But my teacher, the reason why I remember it is because my teacher circled that line. It was old, I think. And she wrote, sounds like Judy Bloom. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be the next Judy Bloom. <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. So, yeah, then I ended up writing um, what became the school theme song at Benjamin Rush Elementary. Shout out to the Roadrunners. Um, they would sing it at the assemblies, and that was fun. Um, and yeah, I've just been writing my whole life. I'm a huge word nerd. I love poems. I love things that rhyme. I love puns. Like you're never going to offend me with any of that. Um, and as I became an adult, you know, my first, well, I studied creative writing in college and communication and sort of my first job out of college was I went to work for this really small magazine publisher out of Nashville, Tennessee. You won't have heard of it. Don't look them up. I think they went under many years ago. Um, you won't recognize any of the titles. Um, but I went to work for this company and I did all sorts of things. We were very small and scrappy. So I started, you know, I sold magazines into bookstores. I sold advertising and then eventually helped launch a new magazine. And as part of that was writing a lot. Um, and so that was, that was fun. And then when I left Nashville to come back to Seattle, which is where I'm from, by the way, born and raised, Redmond, Washington. Um, when I came back, I worked for, it's actually sort of similar to your podcast, but in website form. It was called eastsideout.com and also like went under, don't go looking it up. Um, <laughs> but it was just about activities and things to do on the Seattle East Side. And yeah. I wrote a ton there. It was great. Um, I worked uh, at Value Village thrift store at the corporate office. I ran um, PR and communications for them for a number of years and then ultimately ended up at MSN at Microsoft where I spent seven years in mostly editorial roles. So I was working with content all the time and not doing a ton of writing, but more writing headlines and things like that. Um, but ultimately ended up running the family and parenting channel on MSN. And that's what sort of my, what my sort of writing launch point was because there was a time, I don't think they do it this way anymore, but there was a time at MSN where they were focused on original content. And so I was like, family and parenting, that's my section. I am a mom, I know this stuff, so I can start writing for this. And that was back when the mom blogs were just sort of starting, right? Like the beginning of the mom blog era. And so I started blogging for MSN, but I created a moniker for myself because I was talking about family related things. And mm -hmm. I didn't really want my name attached to it because it's, you know, it's personal. So I was blogging as the Dynamom. Uh, <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Anyway, I was blogging as the Dynamom and things were going well. The content was doing really well. We were pulling in a bunch of new eyeballs onto the website. And I was like, okay, I could do this. Like I could be a mom blogger, why not? So I sort of parlayed my MSN blogs into um, a blog blogging career. Um, and started pitching ideas to other big syndicates. 
And I had my first one that went viral was a blog that I wrote for um, scarymommy.com, which is still a really big site for moms. And I wrote this blog called Elf on the Shelf is Not Gonna Happen. And <laughs> it was back my when- elf. It doesn't happen in our house either. Okay, thank you. So <laughs> <laughs> this was back when Elf on the Shelf was just like becoming a, a thing and it was mm -hmm. everywhere. And I was like, you know what? As much as I appreciate this creativity, I cannot, I am too lazy. There is no way I'm gonna commit to reshaping an elf, like perched above the toilet, fishing with goldfish crackers in the toilet bowl. Like that is not going to happen. I'm not gonna commit to it because you gotta come up with something new every day mm -hmm. for years. You're stuck with this elf, right? And I'm like, this is too much. So I wrote this blog and it became like this rallying cry for non-elfing families because it was like, finally, I don't have to feel guilty that I'm not doing this thing. Um, so that one went viral. It had hundreds of thousands of people talking about it and sharing it, which was so fun. Um, and I realized then that what I really wanted to do with my writing career was just A, like make people laugh, give them something to laugh about, bring them some joy, B, give people something they can relate to, make people feel seen, as you just said, and heard. Um, and so I wrote for the Washington Post. I wrote a really funny piece in Woman's Day about my overspending adventures through Target. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. It's really funny still. I wrote it four years ago and I just looked at it the other day to just refresh my memory. And it's so funny. It's still very true. Four years later, I still have not learned anything because I still overspend every single time I go. Um, anyway, so that was sort of my blogging career. And then, um, out of that, I thought, well, now I'm, you know, I can blog, I can do this, but I also like really want to write a book. I want to write books. That's what I wanted for my life. And I thought, well, I'm going to pitch a book idea to find an agent. And at the time, I thought I really wanted to write a nonfiction book for adults. I wanted to write a book of like awkward stories from my life, surviving awkward situations. And it was like, I had so many funny moments. And so I wrote a few chapters. I queried agents. I, um, you know, I was trying to land land an agent to get this published, and none of the people that I queried wanted it. But one of the agents forwarded it along to another colleague of hers, and that colleague reached out to me and was like, "I like this. I love this. Let's do this." Um, so I landed myself this literary agent about three and a half years ago, and I thought, "Oh, I've done it. Like, I'm gonna get published. It's gonna be a thing." Um, but it didn't quite happen that way. So it's not quite that simple. When you wanna write nonfiction, you really have to have a social following. You have to be like really active in the blogosphere. And it just happened to coincide with me landing a new job. Um, my current job at T-Mobile, shout out to the Magenta fam. Um, so I've been at T-Mobile now for three years. And when I got my job at T-Mobile, it's the first job I've ever had where I'm literally just writing all day long. So I'm the lead writer on our PR team. So I get to work on all of our big news announcements. And T-Mobile is a very active company, constantly doing things for our customers. So we have a lot of news. So it's a really busy, like fast and furious and fun job. Um, and I found that because I'm writing all day now for my job, my job job, um, the last thing I wanna do when I come home is sit at my computer and write. Um, I just didn't have it in me. And so for three years, I felt like I've been squandering this opportunity that I had with my agent and I just haven't been able to get there. And so during pandemic, I was like, okay, 
what could I write that could be maybe shorter? So I don't have to think about this giant book, but maybe just something small. And after I saw that video on TikTok and I had been thinking about, you know, remote learning, I was like, I'm just going to write a kid's book. So I sat down and I wrote the book and it was kind of that simple. I love it. Yeah. Funny how the stars align and yeah. it all perfect. Um, if you're just tuning in today, we have Gina Cohen, local author of Worried Willie Thinks He'll Look Silly. Awesome children's book. So perfect for what's going on today. You can find it on Amazon. We'll have links to everything on our website after the show, nicolemangina.com forward slash podcast. But it's a great book. You're so creative. Um, and like you said, you are the, you're the perfect balance of like humor and inspiration and just acknowledging what is, right? Um, for these kids, you're acknowledging that this is a thing, this whole Zoom fatigue, the insecurities, but you do it in a way that's super accessible and then gives them kind of like, okay, here's what we can do about it kind of thing. And I just think that's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really hoping, I've heard from teachers who've read it to their students that they really enjoyed it. I have parents that have reached out and said it's their kid's new favorite bedtime story. Like, I think people really enjoy it because they can relate to Willie. Willie is anxious and we're all, this whole pandemic remote learning thing is new to all of us. We all have some level of anxiety around it. So I really wanted it to be just like you said, accessible and relatable. Absolutely. And you very generously um, have offered to get, give slash donate copies to teachers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do they do that? So if you're a teacher or if you would like to gift a copy of the book to a teacher, please just reach out to me and I will be happy to send it to you. I just need an email address. It's an ebook. So just send me your email address or send me your teacher's email address and I will be happy to just gift you a copy. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at I'm Gina Cohen. Uh, on Facebook, I'm author Gina Cohen. Um, and you can also just go through the link um, that Nicole's going to put in the show notes. Awesome. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. I think, I, I think it's great. Everybody, everybody needs a new story. And this everybody one's so perfect. A story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I love hearing your way of doing it. And you self-published the book. I did. I self-published. Yeah. And yeah, just like a quick tip for people, because I had completely overlooked self-publishing. I wanted to be like real published and I, there's this sort of stigma attached to, oh, you just self-publish. Anybody can do that. Yes. Anybody can do it. Um, but I really loved it. It was such an easy process. So for me, I wrote the story. It didn't take long at all. It's really short. It's rhyming. It's super cute. Um, and then I needed to have it illustrated. So because it's a kid's book, it needs to have great illustrations. And it does. I completely fell in love with this illustrator. I went on Fiverr.com. It's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Mm -hmm. And people are on there with every, any sort of gig that you can think of. You can find someone to help you with. And I just typed in kid's book illustrators and found this, uh, this artist who just does incredible work. And I showed her my book and she was like, would love to do this. So we partnered together. It took her a month to illustrate the whole thing. And it turned out so cute. The, the illustrations really make, I mean, it's a cute story, but the illustra illustrations really make it great. Um, and then I just went on Amazon and you go to kdp.com. Um, I think it is, it's Kindle Direct Publishing. Mm -hmm. And you just upload your book and you put in some information about it. And then a couple of hours later, magically it appears on Amazon. So it couldn't have been simpler. It was so easy. I love it. And I think that's great. We'll put all that information in the show notes because 
I think there's, like you said, I think a lot of people have a book in them and what better thing to do now that it's winter and everything's closed. I know every time I tell anyone that I'm a writer, they always say, Oh, I, you know, I have a book or I'd like to write a book. Everyone has something in them that they want to write. And if you really just want to get published, it's so easy to do. I'm happy to help. If you want to reach out, if you have questions, I can answer those too as best I can. I thank you. That's very generous. We will have all of Gina's information on the website after the show, nicolemangina.com forward slash podcast, but go get a copy of worried. Willie thinks he'll look silly because it's just the cutest thing ever. Um, so thank you for sharing that. You, like you said, you are an East side native born and raised on the East side. It's the holidays. We talked about this before the show too. Like my favorite part of the holidays is supporting local businesses. I'm actually a little bit bah humbug about the whole thing until I realize I get to a shop because I like it and <laughs> support local businesses. And then I'm instantly in the mood. So what are some of your favorite local places? Yeah, for sure. So I live in Issaquah, so <laughs> I'm going to shout out a number of Issaquah spots. So I love it. I, I love Gilman Village. So perfect for gifting. My one, one of my favorite stores of all time is called Lucky You and Lucky You Home. Uh -huh. And it's just this winter wonderland of gorgeous decor and great gift ideas. Um, there's also Black Duck in Gilman Village, a oh, great yeah. restaurant. You need to mm -hmm. go to Black Duck. Um, and then my other favorite gifting shop in Issaquah is called Terabella. Okay. And it's just this really cute gifty boutique. It's by the QFC off Gilman Boulevard. Uh, super adorable. They always have something for everyone. Um, and Noodle Boat Thai, my favorite go-to Thai restaurant, delicious food. Uh, Q Cafe here in Talis, which I met you at. You've been there yeah. before. Oh, darling. So it's cute. so cute. Yeah. Q Cafe is just this cute local coffee shop. They make the best cappuccino. And um, they have, oh, this beautiful food, too. They have a pastry chef mm -hmm. that creates food just for the cafe. It's all local and freshly made and it's so delicious. So shout out to them. And then one non-Issaquah spot and they're all food. Um, <laughs> no, they're not, no, they're not. Um, one local non-Issaquah spot is in your neck of the woods in Kirkland and it's Daru. Tell me. You oh, yes. I love Daru. Daru? Okay, I'm spelling it. I don't know, that's how I say it. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but. Okay, I'm just gonna start calling it Daru now. Um, I always <laughs> call it Daru, but they're so, their food is so delicious and they're just really great people and they kind are. and they deserve our support. So get out there and support those local businesses. Yes, those are, we'll have links to all of them on the website after the show. And um, I love local, like you said, kind of home stores and things like that. Cause I don't think I'm, I don't always feel inspired or super creative when I'm looking for gifts. So when I go into stores like that, I kind of, I'm like, Oh, look, there's this cute thing. And they put it with that. They, they help me out a lot and they, um, gift wrap usually. So I'm not yes. all that great at gift wrapping. So. <laughs> not either. I'm terrible. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us today, Gina. I so appreciate it. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We will see you next Tuesday. Make it a great thanks, week. Nicole. Bye. Bye everyone.